Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr. I am joined with Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I am Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky Chikrin on Tumblr. Clotho. I am Clotho, and I'm Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. And joining us once again is Dramas. Hi, I'm Dramas, and I am I Heart Dramas on Tumblr. Awesome. Hey. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. It's been a while. Yes, it has. Too long. Too long, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we are going to discuss Cersei 6 uh, from Feast for Crows. Uh, so spoilers, especially for the books this episode. Um, probably maybe a little bit of the show, I think, this episode as well. And as always, trigger warnings for um, rape discussion. Uh, I think we're going to lead off with this gif that i've been introduced to about 30 <laughs> seconds ago <laughs> it's uh the new i guess game of thrones season six teaser well it's wrapped into a bigger hbo teaser but yes mm. we got oh. like what is it four different shots so yeah, danny bruce's basically... son <laughs> jamie <laughs> that's pretty Ramsey. much it. <laughs> that's it right and they all look a little tough worried uh i'm like yeah, literally looking why? at their facial expressions i would describe jamie as hot as fuck yeah in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> he's got definitely he's, that lord commander vibe happening at full throttle here <laughs> yeah he means business lannis not lannister business <laughs> white knight business oh this is this is Kingsguard business. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And the Ramsey scene, I think this, I think the Ramsey thing, I think everything else we've seen before. I think it's just the Jamie thing that's new. I haven't. Um, well, I've seen the Bran's eyes rolling in the back of his head thing, but I haven't seen the well, Danny thing. Ramsey and Danny were from uh, HBO. Did another one of these like at the beginning of the year or like right at the end of of, of 2015. And those were in it, but yeah, okay. mostly it's just the Jamie that's new. And this looks exactly like the scene where Jamie's at the steps of the Sept. Yeah, um, yeah. you can actually see Marjorie. Um, Tyrell soldiers say, marching in behind him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saw on Reddit earlier this week. Someone was like, "Oh, they finally cast Honor." Oh yeah, the horse. Oh, no, horse. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty. <laughs> it's supposed to be with Brienne, that horse. <laughs> they fucked it up again. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he has he has honor and glory. He has his horses. Mm. Oh, he Sorry. gave her the pretty pony. No, not honor, not honor and glory. No. Oh, just another pretty horse, a prettier horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, does anyone want to add anything else on about this uh, gift set? <laughs> I mean, if anyone in our audience hasn't already spent some time staring at this Jamie gif, I don't know what to do for you. But. <laughs> it's pretty hot. I, I've seen it on, on Tumblr. It. Yeah, I've seen it a lot on Tumblr, but just the Jamie. I didn't even know these other people existed. 
He's got this the is old. The other back. ones are older. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know. Who cares? And we don't know with the brand thing. I don't know if this is even from this season or if it's old because brand has the long hair. Who was pointing that out? Clotho? Yeah, he yeah. doesn't have his new hipster haircut. Maybe he gets that mid-season or something. Who knows? Maybe they put a bowl Maybe. on his head and just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still has that old lady wig on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. Are you guys ready to go on to some Cersei goodness? I guess. Yeah. Some Cersei terribleness. <laughs> All right. Are, are you ready, I dramas? Mean, like... <laughs> She's giving me a thumbs up. You know, what, you know what was great about this chapter, though? Did you notice what chapter was before this chapter? I'm going to guess a Brienne. No. <laughs> or a Jamie. It, it was the golden bitch slap. <gasps> yes. oh. yeah. I don't know what I'll yeah. be doing before bed tonight. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's I'm staring go. at this gif because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the bitch slap. All right. So we're going to start with Cersei. She's in her horse-drawn litter um, having a conversation with Tana Merriweather. They are talking um, They are talking about men in Marjorie's life, singers, knights, and poets. They discuss the likelihood of her virginity. And I know we've kind of touched on it briefly here and there, but... Just the normal chick mm-hmm. conversation. I mean, yeah. it is a pretty normal chick. Conversation. It really is. That's kind of the beauty of these scenes with Tana and Cersei. It is kind of like they're so catty. Yeah, this is girl time. Yeah. This is girl stuff. <laughs> uh, Tana reports on all the people around Marjorie, um, Pycelle, that summer islander dude, and Mark Mullendar is mentioned, um, the butterfly mm-hmm. knight that lost his arm at the Blackwater. And Cersei has this remark that she says, well, what good is half a man? I know. I was oh. like, oh, you bitch. Isn't that uh-huh. pretty telling? Like, well, I, yeah. 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 It's like she can't resist a chance to get a dig in at Jamie. But do you guys remember who Mark Mullendore is? Mm-hmm. He's one of the ones who was part of the bet with yep. Brienne. Right. He was. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. yeah. She liked him because he had the monkey and he was funny. Right. <gasps> yep. Oh, man. Oh, didn't they talk about getting him another monkey in this? Yes, Mega oh, is trying yes. to get him another monkey. And Cersei's like, what is the world monkey. coming to? Yeah. <laughs> of all the things that are happening, he's disturbed about someone looking for a monkey. That is a great point. <laughs> oh, man. Like, if we can back up just a little bit to Marjorie, the part about Marjorie's virginity, this passage, I don't know if y'all caught this, but Mar. This passage um, says, Sir Loras had carried her up the steps himself. Marjorie may say that marriage was never consummated, that Lord Renly had drunk too much wine at the wedding feast, but I promise you the bit between his legs was anything but wary last I saw. I was just wondering, did by chance they have a threesome with Loras? It's not a sound. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that, that whole, like, it sounded like it. Well, apparently D&D thought so. They exactly. wrote it into this, the <sighs> TV series where she attempted a threesome. Or, or yeah. she just acted like she, and then walked into a closet or something or walked into another <laughs> oh, room God. while they got it on. I don't know. <laughs> Bastards well, are I mean, you, you kind of have to question just because of the source if Tana's completely telling the truth here. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of tough to know. But I mean, Certainly, I have to say, I, I definitely question whether at least Renly and, and Marjorie's um, 
marriage was consummated, I've always kind of suspected that it probably was just because there was too much writing on it for Renly not to get that job done. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, it would be pure, like unsubstantiated speculation. Right. I, I have no idea. I mean, if it did happen, we can just add it one more to the awkward wedding nights in this whole series. Right. Oh God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in this world, how many, like, great wedding nights can there honestly be? (laughs) The whole lead-up is, like, people stripping you bare. Ugh, yeah. Who's comfortable with that, right? (laughs) Oh, I mean, there might be people, but it's not me. (laughs) No, I don't think it's many. (laughs) Oh, anyway, we get a lot of uh, discussion about the current state of the faith. Um, There's a new High Septon that's been elected, and Cersei is already thinking of how to replace him. Tina offers up her six-year-old boy is a possibility in jest. And, you know, Cersei actually seems halfway seriously considering it. Uh, she suggests Tana bring her son to court and that, you know, Tolman could use a friend to play with, a distraction from Marjorie, more importantly. Um, the litter comes to an abrupt halt. There are sparrows blocking their way. Cersei asks Marin Trant to not be too forceful in moving them. She does not want to be in another riot. Uh, Cersei is perturbed. The High Septon is feeding the sparrows and that they have not yet blessed Tolman. Uh, they are withholding until the crown begins repaying the faith. And, you know, for her, that's not going to happen. The, <laughs> um, all her well, crown funds have been locked up in yeah. ships. Oh, oh, the ship names. That was what sort of stood out to me, the line about when she was looking forward to... She loved that... Uh, one was named the Lord Tywin, because then people would f- refer to the Lord Tywin as a she. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the brave Joffrey. Like oh, I know those names. Uh. And the sweet little Tommen wanted to name one what Moon Boy. Moon yeah. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to love that one. That was cute. I love that. I love that. That Tommen just wanted to name name them all Tyrell names, and it's like yeah. she had to make him <laughs> make him name one after Marcella. No. <laughs> Although so wasn't cute. wasn't Renly a weird choice? Like he chose the name when Lord Renly, and she agreed to it. Yeah. yeah, it is weird. I don't know if it's um an attempt to kind of rewrite history because of the fact that Marjorie was married to Renly. Maybe they're gonna act like they're gonna downplay Renly's rebellion, basically. Yeah, I mean that's a strategic move for the Tyrells, but then like for Cersei, why would she go along with that? Yeah, I don't know. And all those ships, I mean, is there any logic to all the ships? Like, are those really necessary? I just... Uh, I mean, yeah, they they do have a naval situation for sure, and it's going to get worse as the book goes on. But, um, you know, this what what she's chosen to do here probably is not the solution. Um, you know, putting... <laughs> Oh, God, putting her in waters in charge of her Navy. And I mean, she could have done without the, you know, didn't she have one that was like, um, the front of the ship was like carved at her face on it. And then she had like mail and a a spear and. Well, as we're discussing, you know, she had a little extra money. Yeah, I mean, she thinks that the High Septon is is withholding, you know, basically sanctioning Tommen as the ruler. Um, because she is not repaying the faith, and yet she's, you know, blowing money on, like, carving elaborate mastheads of herself on these ships and stuff. And it's like, yeah, 
you might have a problem here. <laughs> well, I don't know. In her defense, if you had a ship and it was named after you, wouldn't you? Be, I'd be right up out there, guild me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mermaid. <laughs> yeah, mermaid. Uh. It's a good name too. I don't. I don't know. I think the sweet Cersei sounds really nice for a ship. Oh God, it's hilarious that that's what she. It's not even like Lady Cersei or Queen Cersei. It's Sweet Cersei. It sounds like what Jamie is sarcastically calling her. You know, like he's walking around, <laughs> my dear Sweet Cersei, my dear sister. Hey, maybe she did that on purpose uh, to needle him because he's been calling her Sweet Sister. She's like, you know what? Call that motherfucker Sweet Cersei. Just show you how sweet I am. <laughs> oh, that was good. Okay, let's see. Um, the litter comes to a halt again. They are blocked by a, a sullen sea of humanity, war refugees that have clogged the path to the sept. And I, Cersei steps out and decides to walk. And then I kind of marked this one. As she made her way through the ragged throng, past their cook fires, wagons, and crude shelters, the queen found herself remembering another crowd that had once gathered on this plaza. The day she wed Robert Baratheon, thousands had turned out to cheer for them. All the women wore their best, and half the men had children on their shoulders. When she had merged from inside the sept, hand in hand with the young king, the crowd sent up a roar so loud it could be heard in Lannisport. They like you well, my lady, Robert whispered in her ear. See every face is smiling. For that one short moment, she had been happy in her marriage, until she chanced to glance at Jamie. No, she remembered thinking, not every face, my lord. God, imagine Jamie's face. <sighs> yeah. Both pissed and sad and probably mostly pissed. No, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what that must be like to watch somebody you love and someone that loves you as best they can <laughs> get it, marrying someone else. Oh, God, yeah. It, it. Well, I mean, we know that it, he had a problem with it. I mean, he was always... Ready to kill Robert at the drop of that. Right? You want me to kill him now? How about now? I could do it now. <laughs> I was like, what, last chapter at Green Shit? <laughs> yeah. 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 Rough. Anyway, so at the foot of the statue of Baylor, they have pin um, piled the bones of the holy dead. Cersei. Ugh. Yeah, this was quite an image, eh? Yeah. yeah. Cersei tells the people their dead shall be avenged. A few cheer, but only a few. I love how flat that falls. Her little <laughs> attempt to get the crowd behind her. Just total failure. You just picture them like dead-eyed, like just staring at her, you know, like really? Just crickets. She mm -hmm. gets crickets when she, she tries to do this moment. But like, it is quite the visual to think of all of these bones, mostly skulls. It sounds like, um, you know, stacked up at the feet of, of Baylor the Blessed. And um, the way that this this beggar or sparrow describes these people, they were all like people of the faith, not just regular common people. But these are like septas and septons and silent brothers and silent sisters, the whole the whole nine yards. It's all I'm like, this is how many just people from the church have been killed in the mess that's been going on in Westeros. And it's amazing how Cersei just kind of wants to walk around this very, you know, what what should be a very moving um, thing. You know, she's just kind of disgusted by it. Yeah. And just, you know, move along with her day. And it's a really good kind of metaphor for what she's doing with her reign, which is just completely yeah. ignoring how this stuff is affecting the small people. And in her defense, like, 
she's just inherited this. I mean, you know, everyone who came before her was completely ignoring it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she is more concerned with how it looks and that it's like defiling a statue than that these are individuals' skulls and bones, you know? Like, she just mm-hmm. is totally missing the point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And she says some really despicable things about, you know, some of the people of the faith. Like she says, the septas were probably praying for a good raping and things like, you know, the kind of things that she is is thinking often. Don't say that. These are their martyrs, basically, right? Yeah, they are their martyrs, of course. They're holy martyrs. And she's like saying all these things. And I'm like, good thing they can't read your mind because you'd be dead right now. Well, it's a good thing she didn't say it out loud, which she's been known to do from time to time. So. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it, this was a really tough passage to read because it's one of those times where you know uh, George likes to use the the unreliable narrator thing quite a bit. And with Cersei's chapters, there's some really horrifying things. And it's like if you don't stop and kind of filter out her blase way of talking about them and realize just how awful it is what's being described, you might kind of miss just how frankly, despicable Cersei can be <laughs> because mm. she's pretty despicable. Yeah, and every time someone tries to make the argument otherwise, you can kind of go back to these things where, I mean, she's saying these things so offhandedly and she's saying oh, to yeah. them to herself. So that's yeah. like the ultimate to me. It's not She's not saying it like you get angry and you say something horrible because you're trying to hurt someone. She's saying this in her own head, so it's pretty clear that something is seriously wrong with her. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, just, <laughs> there's a lack of a lot of things. There. She is affluenza. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that could be yeah. it. <laughs> Definitely, right? That's part of it. <laughs> so, uh, Sir Marin is approached to stand uh, with them and defend the Holy Faith. And Sir Marin's not about that. Cersei promises Tolman will protect them. A man with a star painted on his brow replies, the warrior will defend us. Not this fat boy king. And at this, Marin Trent reaches for his sword and Cersei stops him. So she has a little bit of sense there to kind of, let's not escalate this. I mean, like, how stupid is stupid Marin Trant? I mean, it's like, (laughs) do we not remember the last riot where the last High Septon was killed? It's like, you idiot. Don't don't get them going. So don't praise Cersei's intelligence here. (laughs) Point out that Marin Trant is a dummy. (laughs) Gotcha. <laughs> I would. I mean, I don't know that it's any great sign of Cersei's intelligence. It wouldn't take a genius. Right. <laughs> Good point. Uh, the crowd is armed uh, to block her way with crossed spears, to which Cersei responds, Is this how you receive your queen? And she asks for Reynard and Torbert, um, you know, the friendlier feet-washing septons. <laughs> One of the men claim they don't know who she is talking about. They tell her no armed men are allowed in the Holy Sept. Knights of the King's Guard do not set aside their swords, not even in the presence of the king. They won't budge, and Cersei enters alone. Inside, she finds a score of septons on their knees, washing the floor. One of them is Septon Reynard, and, you know, Cersei is shocked by this. She meets the new High Septon, who is also dressed shabbily and barefoot. She learns that he has sold the fancy crown Tywin gave them and among some other treasures of theirs for to purchase food to give to the poor. Cersei thinks he's mad or terrified of the beggars at his door. She asks if they can speak privately. So. You know, this is a really interesting scene. I mean, what you're hearing here is that um, in a very brief amount of time, 
everything about the way that the church works has changed. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, to create an analog, which I'm, I know most people are aware of, but if, if you want to compare it to our world, this is like, you know, the Holy Roman, you know, Catholic church. Um, and this would be like being in Rome and going to the actual Vatican. That's what Cersei's doing right now. And in like the blink of an eye, a very short space of time, everything about the way that the church is run has been changed. And this should be sending off huge alarm bells for her. I mean, mm -hmm. she is bothered. She does notice it, but she's just not quite giving it the gravity that she probably could. I mean, I feel like, and, and this is one of the reasons that I had such a problem with the world of ice and fire that they didn't get a little deeper into um, some of the inner workings of the faith. But I mean, I, I kind of feel like in many ways, this kind of sparrow revolution is somewhat similar to the Protestant revolution mm -hmm. with the Catholic church. I mean, it is like mm -hmm. a night and day things are, things have completely changed and um, she is just not paying attention to what is actually going on here. Um, and the other thing is, I think it's so interesting the way that they bar her from going into the sept at first. It reminds me exactly of when Jamie goes to see Lancel, you know, mm -hmm. um, in yeah. feast and, and the sparrows bar his way. I mean, there's very much, you know, at this Derry. feeling of a pushback from the people. Yeah, at Derry. There's very much a feeling that because of this, this you know, movement of the sparrows, this this change within the faith that the people, like the actual peasants, are finally getting a chance to have a say against um, the nobility. And I feel like it's, it's, one of, it's one of the cooler things that I think George has really explored in the novels. And um, it's one of the things I'm kind of upset, got a little bit flattened on the show. I understand why the show has done it the way that they have, but... I think there's some there's something of note to be seen within the the Sparrow Revolution. Yeah, that's true, and there's yeah. a lot of real world parallels even today with people using. I mean, that's an easy in. You know, faith can use people's poverty and their desperation, you know, against them, and you know. Oh yeah, it's how most big religious movements yeah. start, or political <laughs> movements for that matter. Is you know when the people are suffering. Yeah, yeah. and she's oblivious. And also, the people are going to go for this movement because he is actually showing, he's doing the actions that are actually helping them. Like you said, he's selling off the church valuables. He's actually giving them food. He's actually giving them care and love, and they actually feel like the church cares about them more than the crown does. So, I mean, the church is kind of doing what Sirshi should have been doing. But they did it first, so now even if she tries it, it's going to be like, well, you know, a little She's, too late. It's going to fall flat like it just did in the plaza. And when she did try it, we'll yeah. offend you. Well, uh, too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what she misses is the sincerity of not only the sparrows, but the high septon himself. And the kind of power that can go along with someone who sincerely believes in whatever belief that they're espousing and basically, yeah. you know... Um, I'm, I'm going to use the term evangelizing about, you yeah. know, I mean, these are, these are very powerful things and these can be very powerful people. And she's just not taking into account just how powerful this man probably is. And how powerful he will be. Mm. More on that later. <laughs> Let's see. We go on and she's going further into the sept. She eyes the altars of the seven. A dozen scruffy hedge knights are kneeling to the warrior, asking him to bless their swords that are piled at his feet. So how come they got to bring their swords in? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to answer that. It's pretty womp, rhetorical. Womp. <laughs> Cersei and the High Septed kneel at the crone's altar, and he prays. Then they speak. Cersei tells him she wants the sparrows to go back to where they came from. They befoul the plaza, 
And uh, then he mentions Ned Starks and how that befouled the plaza. <laughs> I was like, burn. Oh. Isn't it interesting that he brings that up right away? You know, I found that really interesting. Chicky, do you remember there was this theory at, that they posted on, on the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. And somebody was theorizing that this new High Septon was Hal and Reed. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> crazy. Oh, that would be die. awesome. That theory won't die. <laughs> because he's short, just like Hal and Reed, and his eyes are the color of mud. And he doesn't wear shoes. Uh, I don't yeah, the feet, the feet too, are part of it. Yeah, I think so. Really? I'm just guessing. Yeah. No, no, that, that is part of the theory. Um, yeah, it, it actually got more traction than it should have as a theory. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it is interesting that he focuses right in on Ned Stark. And it sort of makes you wonder if he does have some sort of Stark affiliation. And it, it is kind of hard to pick through and, and see if it may be there. I would just say in the in, in the grand scheme of things and the terrible things that the Lannisters have done since the start of this war, um, I I don't know that you could necessarily say that Ned Stark did a better job of really championing the, the little people, maybe just in that he sent out Beric Dondarrion to kind of try to stop the mountain at the beginning of the conflict. Right. But other than that, the Starks really didn't do much to help the small folk well, either. Yeah, I mean, also, and the Starks have the old faith, right? Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. really... They don't right. really worship the seven, so I know no. whenever he brings up um the the murder of the um the Septons and, and the people in the Riverlands and Xerxes quick to say, Oh, it was Stannis and and mm. the wolves and everything and he's like, Oh no, it was it was the lions that really did it, you know. Yeah. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I so, I mean, you know, you wonder if it's just that he can't stand the hypocrisy, which is fair enough. It could be that. But you do have to wonder a little bit if there may be some other motive here. I don't know. I get the feeling that definitely the, the High Septon believes this faith stuff and he is completely committed to the cause. Um, he speaks like a zealot. So I think that's real. But you do kind of have to wonder if there might be a little bit of underlying loyalty to someone else there. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. I thought it was interesting, too, that uh, he brought her to the crone of all the... <laughs> I thought, well, that seems like a slight. <laughs> yeah, one thing Definitely that intentional. Me, yeah. One thing that had me giggling throughout this whole thing is that you have all this imagery, and it's all serious, and Cersei has all those thoughts of, like, oh, I'm going to dirty my pretty gown, and it's so beautiful, but I don't want to stain it. <laughs> Well, that's actually that's a really nice bit that I think George put in because again it goes back to what Chicky was saying about you have this, you know, the this new faith that's about humbling and being one with the people, and then you have the old guard, which is the monarchy, and yeah, she's she's on the other side of the fence, and I think it's it's not going to end well. Nope. All right, moving on. We have the High Septon informing her that they have the 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 poor people have nowhere to go uh he gives her a little lesson on war and the hardships endured by the common folk cersei blames the atrocities on stannis and his demon worshippers the high septon brings up the hound and the salt pans she claims he fights for beric dondarian you guys already said all this but i'm repeating it he asks where were they where were the king's knights when the crimes were done cersei wants him to bless Toman. The High Septon tells her he is not ready. The faith needs to be sure. He will prey on it for as long as it takes. She reminds him that only King Tolman defends the holy faith. And I have another one marked. 
Yet everywhere steps are burned and looted. Even silent sisters have been raped. Crying their anguish to the sky, your grace has seen the bones and skulls of our holy dead. I have, she had to say, gift Homan your blessing, and he shall put an end to these outrages. And how shall he do that, your grace? Will he send a knight to walk the roads with every begging brother? Will he give us men to guard our septas against the wolves and lions? I will pretend you did not mention lions. The realm is at war. His grace has need of every man. Cersei did not intend to squander Toman's strength playing wet nurse to sparrows or guarding the wrinkled cunts of a thousand sour septas. Half of them are probably praying for a good raping. Your sparrows have clubs and axes. Let them defend themselves. King Mager's laws prohibit that, as your grace must know. It was by his decree that the faith laid down its swords. Toman is king now, not Mager. What did she care what Mager the Cruel had dis- decreed 300 years ago? Instead of taking the swords out of the hands of the faithful, he would have used them for his own ends. She pointed to where the warrior stood above his altar of red marble. What is that he holds? A sword. Has he forgotten how to use it? Mager's laws could be undone. She let that hang there, waiting for the high sparrow to rise to the bait. And with that, she undoes, oh, like, what, 300 years of... Yeah, and it's like, who's 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 rising to the bait here, Cersei? It's you. Uh, like, he led her so skillfully into this, talking about them not being able to protect people. I mean, clearly... Yeah. Between between the fact that they're they're doing this mark on the on the forehead again, and the fact that obviously some of these guys are already armed, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. a lot they've got you know weapons in the sept. He's moving toward this. This is something that the high septon wants to happen, and he just leads her into it, and she just falls for this trap so completely and perfectly. You just kind of yeah. have to slap your forehead. Yeah, she kind of forgets the reason why those laws were enacted to begin with. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because she always thinks she knows her, her history, history so much better than everyone else. But oh god, I mean, there there is a reason, and it took quite a fight too for the Targaryens to to get rid of the Faith Militant, and she has just brought them back in just you know a snap of her fingers. And it's funny, too, if I recall, when people learn that she's brought them back, they're like, what? <laughs> like, like, literally everybody's snap reaction is like, is she crazy? <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, no one hears it without going, whoa, well, that was a mistake. Yeah. It's unanimous. Okay. Uh, Cersei brings up the crown's debt and asks if they'd be willing to forgive it. He mentions how the gold could feed the poor. She's like, look, do you want your gold or do you want these Cessie's laws of Magar set aside? The High Septon agrees to forgive the debt and bless Toman. Cersei is so very pleased with her work and she celebrates with Taina Merriweather oh. in her litter on the way back home. <laughs> at, oh, God. <laughs> at the base. You know, it sounds like since they're, they're restoring the Faith Militant, the Faith Militant's going to get the money regardless of how they, they're going to get it. For most right. likely the highborns, <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's what I've gathered. I mean, what the main reason why? What I can imagine why they, Magar, got rid of the faith militant is because it was they were probably good to the commoners, but it really hurt the highborns. Yeah, I mean, and also the one thing that's frightening is, you have the nobles and you have their standing armies. 
but when you bring in the common folk that could be the army of the faith, yeah. Yeah. you're they basically have the biggest standing army in Western. Exactly. And it's yeah, it under no the control of the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's done. They it's could like do whatever having they want. The, the, the Vatican's military <laughs> over yeah. whatever country's military. They're telling they're in charge of everything. And that's what he was basically telling her in that whole conversation. He was basically saying, you have no control over us. We're the faith. We do what we want. You know, he was essentially saying that to her in so many words that she wasn't getting it. No. You know, she just handed it to him on a silver platter. Yeah, she's like, that's great. Here, pick up your swords while you're at it. (laughs) (laughs) And then peace is out. Amazing. At the base of Aegon's high hill, they encounter Marjorie and her posse of flower-carrying cousins and (laughs) hanger-ons. Marjorie greets Cersei, letting her know they were in the Kingswood picking autumn flowers. Cersei is like, I know where you were. She has spies on Marjorie uh, all hours of the day, and it seems Marjorie is doing a good job of endearing herself to the small folk. She has even asked Tommen to go out with her on these outings. Cersei is not down with that, and, you know, she's just thinking about that angry mob and trying to protect him. And uh, Cersei believes that Marjorie is just trying to steal Tommen away from her. She thinks Joffrey would have seen right through Marjorie's manipulations. And uh, Marjorie tells Cersei she should join her next time they go out. The woods are so beautiful, they can put to rest the rumors that they are rivals. And Cersei gets this line where she says, I've never seen you as a rival. And she's thinking, you know, (laughs) Marjorie doesn't realize it's an insult and I'm pretty sure Marjorie realizes that well, it was I'm pretty an sure insult. She yeah. <laughs> She's just better at this than you, Cersei. <laughs> uh, Cersei tells Marjorie how Robert had loved the forest too and then I'm just going to end us off with how this chapter ends. In the early years of their marriage, Robert was forever imploring her to hunt with him but Cersei had always begged him off. His hunting trips allowed her time with Jamie. Golden days and silver nights. It was a dangerous dance that they had danced, to be sure. Eyes and ears were everywhere within the Red Keep, and one could never be certain when Robert would return. Somehow the peril had only served to make their times together that much more thrilling. Still, beauty can sometimes mask deadly danger, she warned the little queen. Robert's lost his life in the woods. Marjorie smiled at Sir Loris, a sweet sisterly smile full of fondness. Your grace is kind to fear for me, but my brother keeps me well protected. Go and hunt, Cersei had urged Robert half a hundred times. My brother keeps me well protected. She recalled that what Tana had told her earlier, and a laugh came bursting from her lips. Your grace laughed so prettily, Lady Marjorie gave her a quizzical smile. Might we share the jest? You will, the queen said. I promise you, you will. Oh, Was she referring to... Did, did... Was Tina kind of insinuating that there might have been incest going on? Because didn't she say that her brother yeah. spent the most time in the room? Yeah. Okay, yep. so that's what yeah. this is all. Okay. Cersei's mind is in the gutter. And that's <laughs> as well. That well, shows Tana's, Tana's not an idiot. Yeah, I was just going to say that shows Play her brilliance. Play well, and she's playing well, on that yeah. thing. You know, there's kind of that old folk wisdom that, you know, thieves always fear being robbed and liars always assume people are lying to them. So she's going to see incest. She's going to see incest everywhere she goes. She's <laughs> 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 oh, pretty brilliant on Tana's part. I mean, yeah. you have to say, yeah. Tana just. Well, I mean, a lot of people are playing Cersei like a fiddle, but Tan is one of the masters. I'm kind of happy that Tana knows better than to bring her kid in because 
as Cersei oh. is talking about uh, Tana's child, she's also remembering Melara, and she goes, I had... Um, <laughs> and until she fell down the well, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so she's, like, so dismissive, like... Ugh. And no wonder Tommen loves this crowd because, I mean, not only are they young and hip, but they're <laughs> actually giving him attention. You know, he's so sad and lonely, and they grew up sad and lonely, it sounds like. You know, they're giving him. Well, any anybody's going to be, like, way more fun than hanging out with Cersei. Like, all she does is criticize him and <laughs> deny yeah, him things he wants. Older brother was Joffrey. He yeah, Joffrey was and... awesome to him. He's, he's like in heaven now yeah. without, you know. He had parents that did nothing but slap each other and argue. <laughs> She's got musicians out the wazoo and all these, you know, these beautiful people and, you know. Yeah, didn't you want to go, like, hopping around in the forest <laughs> eating chestnuts and picking <laughs> autumn flowers? <laughs> I know, what world is this? I was like, is this a song of ice and fire? This sounds like a fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> a real I mean, fantasy and- world. <laughs> And we were—I was talking a lot before—and we were talking about how all their names are just ridiculous, <laughs> like the names of the entourage. And I was like, they're like the Westerosi Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Mega Elvis names. Yeah. Oh, I—I I, you know it's—it's it's so interesting because we we talk about this a lot. How Cersei kind of grasps at the the edges of truths, bigger truths, and mm. you know she she. She is she is much more focused here on on the Tyrells, you know, playing a real role in in Joffrey's death. She already kind of had suspected, but you know, it's like she is she is on the edge of truth here, but for entirely the wrong reasons and not really understanding the motives. Like she assumes it's oh they wanted to usurp you know Joffrey's throne, they wanted Tom and and they knew that they could control Tom and it's like oh could it possibly be that they were terrified of what Joffrey was going to do to Marjorie? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, could they possibly? care about their family might that be their motive um and this doesn't seem to understand or see in other people and it's uh it's i mean it's it's sad for her and it's sad for everybody who depends on her she can't really see through to the heart of things yeah i mean that's kind of the fun with cersei's chapters is getting to see all these bigger picture like especially with this chapter this looming danger and threat that i think this faith potentially will inflict and you, oh yeah, and you can just see well, her not grasping it, and that's fun as a reader. Oh, it is fun, and it's so heavily foreshadowed, like the fact that that Marin Trant can't go into the Sept with his weapons, and the fact that you know she doesn't, it doesn't even give her pause. She's like, okay, well, whatever gets us through this moment, you know, and and then she, you know, of course, comes out and congratulates herself on how Tywin couldn't have handled this any better, and things. It just it's the hubris and and just the lack of foresight, and you just kind of, I mean, it is fun in a way, but also a little painful. I, I don't know. It's it's I have mixed emotions about the Cersei chapters. I mean, I, I kind of enjoy the way that she fucks up, but it's just like the the fallout that comes from it is so terrible. You're just kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. definitely. You got to give her this. They are interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're fun. Yeah. All right. Does anyone want to add anything else about this chapter before we go to end stuff? Something you might have missed. Dramas. <laughs> no beats. I didn't see any beats in this chapter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, hey, stop making fun of me. 
I read the wrong chapter in preparation for this, and I didn't read the chapter until like an hour before we started reading. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm talking a lot. I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the beats and everything. And I'm like, oh, Tommen hates beats. And she's like, uh, dramas, uh, I don't think that's the chapter we're talking about. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I did it like three weeks ago. I read the wrong chapter too. So. Oh, We've all done it once. It's like hard because I do the double, triple check and I have to cross reference because they, they label them. You know, we're going by the character and then they label. He just puts the name. Yeah. It's far worse for me, sure. dramas. I like not only read the wrong chapter, I like took probably about 13 pages uh, of notes about the wrong chapter yeah. and then I did it all again. <laughs> But I was really ready for that other chapter. <laughs> Sorry to call you out. It's a little bit of fun for me. <laughs> Someone else is sharing in my misery. <laughs> All right, let's do the mail. Eon, you got that for us? I got it. Um, we got one from Corcor on JBO. <laughs> so I was just listening to episode 94 and had a thought about the whole little finger asking Cersei to send him Robert's tapestries. Oh, an awesome episode as usual, by the way. So my first random thought was maybe these tapestries, if still hanging up, were covering up something important. Maybe an entrance to one of the many hidden passageways. I don't know what the purpose of this could be or why he would want Cersei to find out about it, but hey, I don't pretend to understand Littlefinger. But anyways... (laughs) (laughs) Then I was looking at some quotes and came across something from A Feast for Crows, Jamie 4, where he is remembering visiting the cellar at Derry with Tyrion, where they came across some old Targaryen tapestries. He showed them to Jamie by the light of a candle, grinning, woven pa- portraits of all the Targaryen kings from the first Aegon to the second Aerys. If this whole portrait on the tapestries thing was a common practice, I guess that little finger requesting these tapestries could indeed be proof Cersei's kids aren't Robert's, as suggested in the podcast. I had never picked up on the whole tapestry thing before until I am... But now I am super curious about it. LOL. If only we'll ever find out. Yeah. (laughs) It's like Exhibit A. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got a lot. We got two um, comments about tapestries. Um, another one. That's one's my from- fault. I kept asking for them. <laughs> I do love them. Thank you. Um, yeah, like uh, Johnny and the kids uh, mentioned that um, in that Elaine chapter from A Winds of Winter, they brought up a quote about it and um, added the tapestries could simply be a generous gift from Baelish to Royce. He needs to keep Royce on his good side, but I wouldn't completely rule out some bigger plot. Baelish rarely, if ever, has a simple plan in mind. I personally think he's drawing too much attention to himself in Sansa, but Cersei can be so delusional she may not notice anything amiss. So if this is a repeat of info, I just don't remember anyone bringing it up. And so, Also, sorry if you're excluding any Winds of Winter info of the past <laughs> podcast, ladies. Yeah, we spoiled everything. Yeah, yeah thanks, everything. thanks for bringing that up, though. I forgot that they were in the Elaine chapter. I, I, I did know that, and I'd forgotten. But yeah. Yeah, that's an who awesome knows? callback. Like, damn. Yeah, that was great. That was really good. I Yeah, who, who the fuck knows what's up with these fucking tapestries? I mean, like, <laughs> one day we may get wins and we may find out. <laughs> I know, but by then we'll forget about the tapestries by then. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll remember. Yeah. 
<laughs> we're gonna have like a whole episode dedicated to those tapestries <laughs> lord knows we got we've talked about enough i might be able to do like a whole like just go through and cut and paste something together <laughs> <laughs> let's see um last we got a um a comment from watkins, watkins. And, um, yes <laughs> watkins says from the perspective of a comics nerd I don't think the sudden appearance of Xerxes' prophecy is retconning. Retroactive continuity is when writers contradict or ignore history to favor new material. What in the books what in the books before we get Xerxes POV is contradicted by the story of how she heard the prophecy. It is not possible that Xerxes most excuse me is it not possible that Xerxes most likely forgot about it until her father's death and Marge's appearance? Brought oh. back like some kind of PTSD? Sorry for being pendac- pendantic. Pendantic. <laughs> I forgot. I saw this for one. Cause, yeah. no, That's one uh, for I, you, Chicky. You know that, Yeah, right? this is for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, retrocontinuity, that what, what Wonkins mentions is an aspect of retrocontinuity where something doesn't jive with what's come before, and that is definitely more likely to happen with comics. Retrocontinuity is just anytime anything is added to the story that the creator hadn't planned to do from the get-go. And that is definitely what's going on with the Cersei prophecy. And it actually does contradict what's gone on before because of the fact that we know Cersei says she only really remembers the prophecy as soon as Joffrey dies. And yet, number one, she doesn't mention anything about the Valonqar in Storm of Swords. And she has plenty of time to, you know, unleash some diatribes both to and about Tyrion. And the fact that you can pretty clearly see that the way that George had characterized her until he actually got into her head... While he had characterized her mostly as a narcissist from the beginning, he, he kind of left some dangling questions as to, like, you know, how much she actually cared about her kids and things. And it wasn't until he got into her head that he realized, oh, a narcissist probably, while they do tend to have, you know, scapegoats and golden children, as we've talked about, they don't tend to dwell on people that aren't within, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. And the fact that Cersei had been so um, deliberately dwelling on hating Tyrion and being so cruel to him. Um, George was trying to come up with a reason to kind of make that match with the narcissistic mm. personality, I believe. And that is why he came up with the retcon. And, you know, good retcon, you wouldn't even notice. Um, so-so retcon, you kind of wonder if it's retcon. And then bad retcon is what kind of basically what <laughs> Walk has described, where the creators don't even care. And they're just like, nope, this is how it is from now on. Right. Um, George's George George is fair to middling. You can spot what it is, but, it, it you know, it, it's, it's not terrible. But no, it actually doesn't completely fit with what came before it. Well... I'm going to agree with Watkins simply because I don't want him to kill my RPG character. (laughs) (laughs) He's our dungeon master. You got to watch out. Watkins, you're 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was actually really good. I totally just like took that away from you. But yeah, I like that. Good one, Shiggy. All right. Anything else? That's it. That's it. Okay. Send us some messages. Uh, You can do that at closethedoorand at gmail.com. You can also reach us at close the door and come Follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like and review us on iTunes. It's been ages <laughs> since we've gotten anything there. Come on, bump up our profile on iTunes. Get us some more listeners. Um, support us on Patreon, please. Uh, Clotho and Guile, I wanted to mention, have been stepping out on us. They were asked to guest on Got Podcast, and I believe you did that last night. 
And yeah, by, we had fun. I yeah. believe. I mean, I know you did that last night. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you liked it, huh? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It, was, it was a nice, good conversation. And we're going to leave us fun both topics. Out. Yeah, are you going to jump ship? <laughs> I'm firmly in this ship. I'm going down with this ship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, as soon as as soon as that episode is posted, I think we're gonna we're gonna get it on our Tumblr and on our Twitter, so yeah. listeners can listen to you guys cheating yeah. on us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's gonna be two episodes too. So awesome! Well, two episodes. You guys won't shut up, huh? <laughs> we have some great hot pot conversation. We <laughs> always count on clothes up for some hot pie. <laughs> you have no idea how much hot pie stuff I have to edit out every week. <laughs> I also wanted to mention um, we have a 100th episode coming up soon. How is this fucking possible? How are we at 100? I don't even know. I don't either. I really don't. That's like 100 weeks of podcasting. But that's, yeah, that's insane. So we're doing something special. Um, We're going to do a live podcast. I can't. What the hell's the name of that thing we're doing it on? (laughs) Mixler, right? Mixler. Mixler. Or how do you pronounce it? Mixler, yeah, Mixler. Mixler. So it's M-I-X-L-R dot com. If you want to join us for that, you're welcome to. I just, I'm mentioning it now because I really suggest that you go to Mixler.com and create your account. Because it's one of those ones, if you want to be anonymous, you have to create an account. Otherwise, you can sign in with Facebook, but I will be signing in anonymously. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're excited for an interactive episode. We've never done anything like this before where we get to like chat with listeners while they listen to us podcast live. This should be really either terrifying or really fun. <laughs> and we're really hoping to bring in as many people as we can that have guessed it over this 100th, over 99 episodes. So dramas, would you be interested? Can you make it? <laughs> oh my God, can you nail somebody on the air? <laughs> She's well, full of sake. I don't know. When will this be? <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule. Did we decide on it? I thought we just you did mean, tonight. We think it's going right? to be February 5th. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for us to wrangle and get everyone together on the same day, but we think it's February 5th. Yep. Around, what was the time? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say 10 p.m. Eastern, North American Eastern time zone. Okay. So it's in and around there. There'll be posts on Tumblr with like the exact we'll let you know. information. <laughs> Final details. I'm just trying to get y'all hyped. Uh, actually, looking at my calendar, that is actually doable because that is my weekend off. Awesome. awesome. We'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, Got so one. We'll like just randomly call you in. Have you. <laughs> Start dialing people. Yep. So everybody out there listening, get your get your questions formulated for dramas. She will be there. She is committed. I am here for all your trash shipping needs. Yes. <laughs> oh, all awesome. ships. All your crack ships. Okay, I think that's gonna bring us to the end. Thank you guys so much for podcasting. Thanks for moderating. Always happy to do so. All right, have a good night. Thanks for having me on. Of course. (laughs) Always happy to have you back, dude. We'll see you February 5th. All right. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.